If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's Radio Fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City, one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City. Will you pray with me? On this Earth Day Sunday, we would like to blame someone else, Holy One. We have a list of people we like to say are responsible for the Earth's labored breathing and high fever. We would like to blame cynical climate change deniers for dismissing data. We like to blame overfunded oil lobbyists for being the loudest voice. We like to blame weak-kneed politicians for lack of willpower. We like to blame stingy billionaires for not doing their fair share. We like to blame green anarchists for muddying the waters. And if that list isn't enough, we would like to believe that only large-scale intervention will do the trick. We like to believe the Paris Agreement is the end-all, be-all. We like to believe that it'll be fixed when someone builds a big enough negative emissions facility to suck all the extra CO2 from the sky. We like to believe that it'll all be okay when big box companies adopt sustainable practices the blaming and believing isn't completely wrong, but it also conveniently lets us off the hook. And we know, Holy One, that we are not off the hook. We are, of course, the ones with ancient instructions to till and keep the garden. A better translation is that we are to be in service of the garden. We are to serve, to give help, to assist, aid, to do a good turn, make a contribution, to minister to the earth and all that is in it. So as much as we want to push this off on someone else on this Earth Day Sunday, we recommit. We will hold ourselves accountable to the work you entrusted to us. We have a hole to dig ourselves out of, but we also have some big ideas. In the meantime, Holy One, give us the courage and wisdom to commit to even the smallest changes in our own lives. This is, after all, the only world we know. Amen. And now let us say together a version of the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Creator, who is in heaven, 
Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For you reign in the power that is love, now and always. Amen. Our first scripture this morning comes from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us, so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on earth. God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fertile and multiply, Fill the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. Then God said, I now give to you all the plants on the earth that yield seeds, and all the trees whose fruit produces its seeds within it. These will be your food. To all wildlife, to all the birds in the sky, and to everything crawling on the ground, to everything that breathes, I give all the green grasses for food. And that's what happened. God saw everything God had made, and it was supremely good. Our next scripture is from Leviticus, chapter 25, verses 8 through 13. Count off seven weeks of years, that is, seven times seven, so that the seven weeks of years totals 49 years. Then have the trumpet blown on the tenth day of the seventh month. Have the trumpet blown throughout your land on the day of reconciliation. You will make the fiftieth year holy, proclaiming freedom throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It will be a jubilee year for you. Each of you must return to your family property and to your extended family. The 50th year will be a jubilee year for you. Do not plant, do not harvest the secondary growth, and do not gather from the freely growing vines, because it is a jubilee. It will be holy to you. You can only eat the produce directly out of the field. Each of you must return to your family property in this year of Jubilee. The third reading is from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. We didn't bring anything into the world, so we can't take anything out of it. We'll be happy with food and clothing. But people who are trying to get rich fall into temptation. They are trapped by many stupid and harmful passions that plunge people into ruin and destruction.
The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some have wandered away from the faith and have impaled themselves with a lot of pain because they made money their goal. It is a privilege to be able to bring an Earth Day message to the Mayflower community. This past week, on April 22nd, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. The first Earth Day in 1970 occurred during a time when there was hope that we as a society were beginning to make significant progress in moving towards greater environmental responsibility. On that first Earth Day in 1970, it is estimated that 20 million people in the United States took to the streets to protest what the Industrial Revolution had done to the environment and to call for a new way of living on our planet, which is our only home. That first Earth Day is often seen as the birth of the modern environmental movement. A few months later, in December of 1970, the Environmental Protection Agency was formed. The Clean Air Act was passed that same year of 1970, and just two years later, in 1972, the Clean Water Act was passed. In 1973, the Endangered Species Act was signed into law. In fact, there was so much positive environmental legislation that was passed and signed into law in the early 1970s that the Nixon administration might be known today as the ecological presidency had there not been a little incident called Watergate. That first Earth Day, full of so much hope and followed by so many legislative successes, could have been and should have been the beginning of an environmental reformation of human society. It could have been and should have been the moment of national and global repentance from our ways of environmental destruction. And it should have led to a transformation of our social, economic, and political systems to foster a new sustainable way of relating to the world. After the Clean Air Act was passed, our skies became less smoggy. After the Clean Water Act was passed, the days of rivers literally catching on fire were behind us. And after the Endangered Species Act was passed, critical habitat for endangered wildlife was now protected by law. With these successes, the environmental movement was poised to address other critical environmental concerns, like deforestation and overconsumption of resources that stressed the carrying capacity of the planet. And in the late 1980s, the environmental movement began to mobilize to address the global threat of climate change. So all of this begs the question, what happened? What went wrong? Why have we lost 
50% of wildlife since that first Earth Day 50 years ago? Why have extinction rates increased to the point where species are becoming extinct at least 100 times faster than they would have without human activity? Why are we slashing and burning rainforests? Why have we weakened our clean air and clean water standards? Why are we rolling back environmental regulations across the board for industrial activity? Why have we ignored climate change for so long that it has become a climate crisis that is now well on the way to climate chaos? Why have so many Christians and so many Christian churches been so absent from the critical work of ecological responsibility? And why are so many persons who identify as Christians often supportive of policies and persons that are so damaging to the environment? One simple answer to these questions of what went wrong relates to something we have been warned about in our Christian tradition, the love of money. Unfortunately, even though some significant progress was made in the years following the first Earth Day 50 years ago, it was also the case that industrial interest pushed back against the new environmental regulations and sought to diminish the environmental movement and its accomplishments. Unfortunately, there were literally trillions of dollars to be made from industries and activities that are detrimental to the well-being of the natural world. And when there are trillions of dollars to be made, you can rest assured that many persons will organize and do everything in their power to get their peace of the multi-trillion dollar pie. Under the banner of freedom, free enterprise, and capitalism, and often mixed with Christian language and symbols, there has been a very effective movement to undermine responsible care for the environment over the past 50 years. Billions of dollars have been spent to push back and lobby against the environmental movement environmental legislation, and environmental regulations to ensure that industries could continue to pursue activities that give them their piece of that multi-trillion dollar pie. The result has been the continued extinction of, life, of wildlife, continued deforestation, continued environmental deregulation, and continued climate change hurling us towards climate chaos. Our situation is simply unsustainable. Unsustainable for people and for much of the rest of life on the planet. And if our ecological crisis were not challenging enough, now we face a global pandemic which makes it difficult to even think about the ecological challenges that we are currently facing. In the middle of a global pandemic, it is more than understandable that we long for things to get back to normal. 
Normal is not this. And almost anything is better than this. But if all we do is get back to normal, are we really getting where we need to be? Isn't it the case that normal is both unjust and unsustainable? Normal is what has created the crisis that our human community and the ecological community are now facing. I don't want to get back to the normal of environmental racism, medical bankruptcies, and employer-based health care that can be lost as fast as the spread of a pandemic. I don't want to get back to the normal of extreme income inequality, unequal access to health care and education that perpetuates generational poverty, and a criminal justice system that enslaves people of color behind walls of systemic injustice. I don't want to get back to the normal in which essential workers are paid unlivable wages and forced to work two or three jobs to avoid living on the streets. I don't want to get back to the normal of growing white nationalism, family separations, kids in cages, exploitation of migrant workers, and walls of racism. I don't want to get back to the normal of unsustainable overconsumption, torture chambers of concentrated animal feed operations, and a climate crisis denial that's hurling us towards climate chaos and threatens so much of life on Earth. If normal is all we can get back to as we work through this pandemic, then we will simply perpetuate a world in which the most vulnerable among us and the planet itself will continue to suffer. And we miss an opportunity to bring regeneration to both our human and ecological communities. The systems and the structures that make so many people of color and other persons who don't have adequate access to economic opportunity and quality health care and make them much more vulnerable to this pandemic, these systems must be transformed if there is to be anything approaching resurrection from these days of death. I want us all to get through this pandemic with the least amount of suffering and the least amount of death. But I don't want to get back to the normal that perpetuates the open and festering wound of systemic inequality and injustice in our communities. I don't want to get back to the normal of continuing the sixth great extinction on our planet. I don't want to get back to the normal of creating an unlivable climate for generations to come. I don't want to get back to the normal of losing another 50% of wildlife over the next 50 years. I don't want to get back to the normal of allowing corporations to make trillions of dollars off of the devastation of our planet. Perhaps now, 50 years after the first Earth Day, 
we can begin to see clearly that wanting to get back to that kind of normal should not be accepted as being normal. As members of the Christian tradition and members of all humanity, perhaps we can all agree that what has been considered normal has not shown the love that we are called to have for our neighbors, nor has it shown the love that we are called to have for God's very good creation. I pray that we will not simply get back to normal, but that we might find the courage and the creativity to bring a new day of jubilee and justice for both people and the planet. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching from Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services every Sunday are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m and a full church school for all ages is available during the second service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd, a block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.